Let's face it, people have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Maybe you prefer a firmer mattress and your partner needs something softer. Because of the individualized comfort that you get from Sleep Number Smart Beds, you and your partner will sleep better together. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. And their temperature balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. The smart beds even automatically respond and adjust to your movements so you sleep comfortably all night long. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com you're the mom the maid the keeper of the cookies you do it all and you look good doing it it's parenthood on a mother level here's your host denise hanitka hi everybody you are listening to a brand new episode of on a mother level I'm your host, Denise Hanitka, and thank you so much for hitting download and taking some time out of your day to listen to another mom's story. So this episode is a catch-up conversation with my friend, Jenna Panacucci. And Jenna is now in PR for one of the local school districts in the Quad Cities area, but she used to be a reporter, and so I worked with her for many years. Um, We both had babies in 2019, both about to turn three years old. Mine is Everett. Hers is Jack. And Jenna is going to drop some huge news right off the top of this podcast. But she's also going to talk about how making that big announcement became much more difficult after she suffered a miscarriage. So Jenna lost her baby Kennedy and posted about it on Instagram on what should have been Kennedy's due date. And so Jenna talks about how dealing with that loss and grieving the loss of Kennedy took away some of her innocence when it comes to pregnancy. Katie Purcell touched on that a couple episodes ago. And it makes sense how you don't take a day of pregnancy for granted after you've experienced loss. So Jenna's really going to share an important perspective that she learned through the loss of her baby And I think it's going to be really helpful. One of those tips is you never say only. I'm only six weeks pregnant. Jenna says you're already six weeks pregnant. And so she feels like that flip, that change of mindset can really help you and takes away some of the guilt that you might feel. Jenna talks about the guilt of grief and feeling like other people weren't grieving in the same way that she was. Jenna is the life of the party. She's so much fun. She's so outgoing. And so this conversation is a totally different side of her. And I love that. I love seeing that dimension from her. And I think her perspective is really, really going to be helpful because I think too many women out there say, well, I shouldn't be feeling as bad as I'm feeling. I hadn't been pregnant very long. And so Jenna is going to rid those thoughts from your head and allow you to feel how you want to feel and to grieve the way you want to grieve. And she offers a lot of her advice. 
And so before we get started, a quick on a mother level update for you. I just talked about Katie Purcell. Well, she had her baby boy. So she sent me an email saying that his name is Finn and they're doing fantastic. And if you remember, she did not know the gender of this third baby. Uh, If you recall, Katie's story was that she uh, was pregnant for the ninth time with their third baby, the baby she called a magical unicorn, and he's now here. But she was very curious about whether her daughter Elliot's vision of having a sister and seeing that little sister was going to come true. So it ended up being a boy and baby Finn is here and all our best goes out to Katie. And if you have not listened to her episode, you need to go back and hear her story right now, especially now that you know it has a fantastically happy ending and Finn is here and Katie's doing well. And so sending all our love to Katie and the Purcell family. So for now, let us jump right into our interview with Jenna and her very big news. We're not just going to ignore the big news to start. We're not just going to like pretend it doesn't exist that you are expecting twins. Yes. Yes, I am. And actually, um, not a lot of people know. So they will now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. So I don't know exactly when this is going to be published, but like here today, how far along are you? I am 16 weeks. Okay. And when did you find out twins? Six weeks. Wow. Six weeks, is that, that's like right about when they first start letting you come into the doctor, right? Um, I don't remember yeah. anymore. I wouldn't not normally have had a sonogram, but because of past issues, she wanted to have one right away. Um, and so, yeah, I had one at six weeks and found out that there was two babies in there. <laughs> So like, you know, after having one baby, you kind of like, you sort of know what you're looking for a little bit. But did you know before someone told you, like, were you like seeing some things? I know it's hard to read a sodogram, but like, or like, you know, you're looking at that stupid screen. No, no. (laughs) Like, and Anthony was with me, which thank goodness, because I was really nervous about it. Um, I just didn't, I was just nervous I was going to get bad news. And so I was like, Anthony, you have to go, go. Um, and so he was there. And so she put the wand on my belly and took it off right away. And I was thinking like, okay, like that's weird. And she was like, um, I need to do this a different way. And I was like, okay. And I was like, well, it is really early. It's probably hard to see. So she did it a different way. And then she said, okay. And she kind of paused. And so my mind's going to something's wrong. Something's not right. And then she goes, do you see the two heartbeats? And I said, no. She's like, yeah. She's like, that's that's a baby right there. And that's a baby. And I feel bad now because I was very quiet during the whole appointment. And it wasn't because I was like upset about having twins or anything like that. I just was so focused on they're both okay. There's two heartbeats. Like every, like I really didn't process it until later, but the next time I saw, I had an, I had another uh, sonogram at 10 weeks, same tech. And she goes, so have you um, adjusted to the news? And I was like, yeah, it's not bad news or anything. Like we're super happy and excited, but um, we just were both very quiet the whole time. 
Well, and understandably so. And we're going to get into why you might have been quiet um, in that appointment. But I mean, shut up, lady. She probably has heard a lot of reactions and seen a lot of reactions over time. And like, come on. (laughs) Yeah. And she so she knew that we had a son. He's going to be three. And so, you know, she told us we were going to have twins. And she's like, yeah, it looks like you're going to have three under three. I was like, yeah, I guess we are. Wow, strike two for this lady. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not impressed. <laughs> yeah. And I was kind of nervous about Anthony. Not that I didn't think he would be excited, but like, I know where his brain was going to go. Like, oh my God, like the cost of daycare, the cost of this. But he was like super excited, just like really happy about it. So. Oh, well, I'm just so, so excited for you guys. Is this something you ever thought was a possibility? I mean, is everyone coming out of the woodwork being like, well, you know, it runs in our family, blah, blah. Yes. So my mom's a twin. And so like they say that it skips a generation and it has, yeah, they say it skips a generation. And so it has been the running joke in my family for as long as I can remember that like out of me and my siblings, it was going to be me that had twins. It's always been the joke in our family. So it's just funny, you know, that it happened to me. And it's kind of crazy because last year, before I found out I was pregnant with Kennedy, my dad had a dream that I had twins. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So it's just crazy. But you also were feeling very sick. So you already felt like, yeah. like this was a real strong hormone surgy baby. Yeah. Turns out it's two. <laughs> yes. So like, you know, I knew I obviously was tracking everything. And so, you know, I took a pregnancy test and it said I was, and I just, I mean, I felt sick pretty much right from the get go. And I was like, man, this is just so different from my pregnancy with Jack. And then I was on fertility drugs, so I knew there was a chance that I could have twins too. So it wasn't like a total shocker for me. Where do you think we should start the story? Do we want to just like talk a little bit about Jack first and then kind of just like talk about the progression and like how you've been building your family and such? Yeah. Yeah. Is that the easiest way to do it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So we were pregnant around the same time. I guess I should tell people that I work with your husband. I used to work with you until you went to the dark side of public relations. Yep, yep. <laughs> which is looking brighter and brighter every day. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but okay, so Jack was born in February 2019. Mm-hmm. And my Everett was born in January, like end of January 2019. So we both, I had my second, you had your first right around the same time a couple years ago. Yeah, and we were both at a wedding over the summer, you knew though that you were pregnant, right? Yes, I did. I did did not. I did not know (laughs) I was. (laughs) So yeah, that was crazy that we both were, but you know, you weren't, I don't think you were telling people yet at the wedding and I obviously didn't know I was. So (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So that wedding was our friends, Brittany and Jason. And, um, yeah, I was like six, seven weeks. So it was like really early for me. And, um, I had like some delightful bloating at the time. So I like wore like a floofy dress and it was like one of those fun outdoor weddings where it was super hard to hide that you weren't drinking. And obviously like 
it wasn't vital that I hit it, but it just like, wasn't like, you know, it just, I just wasn't ready yet. But yeah, so it was like very, very difficult to hide the fact that I was not drinking. And, um, at some point a friend like pulled me aside and was like, how many weeks are you? And I was like, damn it. Yeah, I know (laughs) it is. It is so hard to hide, but I will say this. One of the best pieces of advice I've ever gotten was from you. And you, you know, basically said, when you want to start trying, try sooner than what you have planned, just because you don't know how long it's going to take. Yeah. And that's so true. So true. And I think we started earlier when trying to conceive Jack, just because I'm like, yeah, you know, you, I don't know how long it's, it's going to take. So. Yeah. I mean, especially with that first one, it felt so, um, it felt like such a, like a decision to make just feels like you're like actively planning your life, you know? And we even still talk about it now, like really and truly should we have started earlier? Cause it took us about 18 months to have, um, to conceive Abram. And we still are like really in practice. Could we have actually started earlier? Were we really even, and I guess I now, um, although that was really good advice that I gave you, um, I also like sort of feel at peace with the decisions we made at the time. You know what I mean? But you really, you really just don't know. And I think it's just more the idea of you kind of just assume like, why would it take 18 months? Yeah. And that's the crazy thing is um, I think most women just, and like we learn in health, I mean, from what we learn in health class, it seems pretty simple to have <laughs> to, to get pregnant. And I think most women think it's just going to happen like that. Yeah. And for some it does. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's like, a, it's a lot of work. So was it easier the first time around? Yes. So for Jack, and I don't want to make it seem like it took a long time because there's women that it takes a very long time for Jack. It took like seven or eight months. Okay. And that was natural. Um, you know, I didn't have to take any drugs or anything like that. So no, it, yeah, I understand the need to like, feel like there's a disclaimer, but the bottom line is, is like, when you feel like you're ready, your heart like starts to feel yeah. it, no matter if it's yeah. been two months or. Yeah. So, um, okay. So everything was pretty smooth with Jack, right? Yeah. For the most part, around six weeks, I had what they called a threatened miscarriage, which doesn't mean that you're going to miscarry, but they thought I was going to basically, um, around six weeks, like I just had extreme abdominal pain and cramps and I had heavy bleeding and my numbers were not where they should be. Um, and so they were just like, we got to kind of wait and see. And so that was like on a Friday, I remember. And I went to the weekend thinking, okay, I'm going to lose the baby because I didn't get any better. And then Monday, it just kind of, everything just kind of stopped and they checked my numbers and they had doubled. And then from there, I mean, yeah, everything was fine. Um, and they don't really so know why. Is that something that they should have told you? Or would you have been better off not knowing that information? I mean, you were obviously having the symptoms regardless. I know. Yeah. And it was just kind of like, yeah, it was just very frustrating because it was like, literally, there's nothing I can do at this point. Yeah. And it, I remember the nurse was just kind of like, well, we'll just wait and see, you know. You might make it through, but I was like, okay, clearly you don't think I'm going to like, so yeah, it was an awful feeling. Um, but yeah, and everything ended up working out fine. So 
Okay, so here comes Jack. It's um, it's February 2019. Mm-hmm. Such a simpler time. <laughs> <laughs> um, how is life now with a almost three year old? What's um, what's he into? Oh, I love it. I I I really do like this age. He's just like has such a personality. He's so funny. Um. He's very independent. He doesn't want your help on anything. Um, but he's also very helpful. You know, he always wants to help you, whether you're doing dishes or whatever you're doing. He's Anthony's little mini, that's for sure. Yes. So he is very shy, like Anthony, but he's very um, bullheaded, like me. So I can see both of us. He sees Anthony's family all the time, and it still takes him like an hour to warm up. Like, he won't talk to anyone. He just kind of hangs out by me and Anthony. He's very, yeah, he can be very shy and quiet, like Anthony. Well, his two siblings are about to rock his world. Oh, my gosh, that poor kid. He doesn't even know what's what's, what's coming. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, you know, you have a baby, everything's going good, and you're getting adjusted to being a family of three, and at what point are you like, all right, like, we could do this number two thing? I should say, so about six months after I had Jack, I just kind of noticed some things that were kind of a little bit different with me. Um, My hormones were kind of like all over the place, and I was having really bad mood swings, Um, and my, um, my period was like two weeks long. And I just thought, well, you know, I was pregnant for nine months. I had, I was breastfeeding. Like maybe this is just like how it is when it comes back. But then like months went by and it still was just like really weird. And so my friend was just like, just reach out to your doctor. And so I reached out to my doctor and she's like, that's not normal. And so I did um, two different tests. I did lab work, which came back fine. And then I had an ultrasound. Um, And ultimately, I was diagnosed with PCOS, which stands for polycystic ovary syndrome. And to be diagnosed with it, you have to have two out of the three things. So you either have to have um, bad lab work, irregular periods, or something shows up on your ultrasound. So for my ultrasound, it just showed that I have a lot of follicles, which is um, a sign of PCOS. Um, So I just have more than what most women have. And then... Okay, so take it down a notch for non-sciencies. I know. What does it mean? What does it mean that you have a lot of follicles? So like, I think average women in each ovary have... I want to say like maybe 10 in each ovary is pretty normal. And I have like 15 in each ovary. Okay. From which I, which I can understand, from what I can understand, sometimes when you have so many follicles, it's hard for the egg to release because they're kind of blocking. Okay. From how I understand it. Okay. It's Um, just like a real jam packed party in there. Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, I didn't know anything about PCOS. Um, so then I started researching it and it's really common. It's like the most common cause of female infertility. And then I found out, like, I know a bunch of people that have it. So, I mean, that was kind of nice because I could ask them questions. Um, so basically once we started 
the journey of wanting to have another baby, um, it was, okay, well, we should put you on infertility drugs. In August of 2020, yeah, 2020, we started. Um, I got on Clomid, which is just a drug to help you ovulate. Which is a horrible, horrible drug. I, I took it for a while with Abram and I had horrible side effects. Did they bother you? Not until the second round. So when I started it, I was on a low dose. So it really, I didn't really have bad side effects yet. I was a little bit worried because I was like, I was just diagnosed with this thing. I don't know, like, if this is going to be a long road. So I took it third month. I was pregnant and I was like super excited because I'm like, great, this was easy. You know, like I'm already pregnant. And then basically, like, as soon as I found out I was pregnant, I had miscarried. Um, It was like within five days of finding out. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So. And it was kind of, I think I kind of took my first pregnancy for granted because everything had worked out with Jack. So like I told people pretty soon that I was pregnant. Um, I told my sister, I told a few friends, you know, and then a few days later I had, yeah, I miscarried. So. Well, you had, you have no reason to feel regret for sharing good news. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know, just I'm reading into your into your expression about it. Like, like you wish you hadn't told them or something. Yeah, I do. I do. Um, I kind of struggle with it because obviously if you're pregnant, that baby should be celebrated no matter if it lives or not. Like that's just how it, it should feel. So if you want to tell someone right away, you should, but it was really, really hard telling people that I was no longer pregnant. Yeah, that was awful. So I don't know. And I've struggled with, I struggle with it now with this pregnancy telling people and I, not a lot of people know. We didn't tell our families until I was 13 weeks. Okay. Yeah. It's just for me to come out and tell people now, Hey, I'm pregnant. For me, it feels like I'm saying I'm confident that I'm going to have a baby, which I'm not, you know? Um, And even, you know, now that I'm in the second trimester, I still, I'm still not confident. And I don't think I will be comfortable until they're here and they're alive. And that's just how it is. I just interviewed a mom a couple of weeks ago, but she is expecting her third. And she kept saying like, hopefully we're having a baby in February. Hope, you know. Yeah. hoping, hoping that our third, and I, and I asked her about that specifically. I said, you are over 30 weeks. You are, you know, yeah. I can't remember the exact weeks, but it was like, I, I realized how fortunate I was that I never said and never thought to say, hopefully at 33 weeks, I'm still having a baby. Yeah. What a gift that was to not have that on my mind and on my heart. Yeah. And that's the thing is, um, you know, the miscarriage took a lot of things from me, but it took the innocence of this pregnancy from me, the innocence of I'm pregnant, I'm going to have a baby. Like, I don't think that way anymore. It's, I hope I have one, you know, a lot of times when people are like, you're pregnant, I'm like, yeah, I'm currently pregnant. You know, like, it's just, it's hard for me to say, I'm pregnant. You know, yeah, I am right now. Um, And hopefully it stays that way. But I just, 
I have learned it's, it's, you don't always get to take your baby home. Um, and so, yeah, there's just a lot of anxiety. I mean, I worry about everything. I mean, every week I'm like saying something to Anthony and, you know, he has to talk me off the ledge. You at some point decided that you did want to talk about having miscarried and you named your baby that you lost. Yeah. And talk to me about the decision to be public with such a raw part of your life. I went back and forth about if I was going to share it or not. I mean, even that day, I was like, do I do I post this? I don't know, you know, um, because I didn't want I wasn't doing it for sympathy or anything like that. I just really wanted to raise awareness about it. And obviously, you know, if my story can help someone, then that would be great, too. But I, I felt better after I did it, honestly, um, because when I posted it, I was not in a good place. The, like the last few months leading up to the due date were really bad for me. And I felt like a weight had been lifted after I posted it. And not only that is I want my baby to be remembered. I want people to know about my baby, you know. And so it's really important for me to like keep the baby's memory alive. And it just was very therapeutic for me to talk about it. And it is therapeutic for me to talk about it. So that's why I shared it. But I understand why women don't. And, you know, I don't want people to think that they need to tell their story because they don't. But for me, for me, it was helpful. Can you tell me a little bit about the decision and the conversation on how you named your baby Kennedy? Yeah. So Um, after I miscarried, I was looking at, you know, blogs and different things like that. And a lot of them said, one thing that could be therapeutic is to name your baby. And I was like, oh, that would be great. But then I was like, I don't even know the gender of it. So that idea just kind of went away because I was like, I don't even know if it was a boy or girl. And, but then it kept bothering me that I didn't have a name. And I was like, it deserves to have a name. And so I just started looking up non-gender names. And Kennedy is actually a name that I've always loved. And I always swore I was going to name my kid Kennedy if it was a girl. And on this list of non-gender names was Kennedy. I was like, oh, my gosh. And um, it was actually kind of funny because one of the articles, there's actually quite a few articles that's like, well, if you're going to name your miscarried baby, don't name it anything that you would want to name future babies. And I told that to Anthony and he was like, well, I'm sorry, but like, we shouldn't just give it some garbage name because we don't want to, which was such a good point. I'm like, that is so true. Like, I'm not going to give it a name just because it's okay. And I, you know, I don't want to waste a good name on this baby because it didn't live. And I was like, that is so true. And so we named it Kennedy. And then James was just kind of a non-gender, you know, neutral name for a middle name. So. Um, yeah, I, I love it. So, you know, we, we gave it a name that we loved and that was special to us. So, and it was also very therapeutic naming it too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I love that Anthony was so supportive. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, you know, I, I was like really nervous to bring it up to him because I just, I don't know. I didn't know how he would react, but I was like, I really think we should name it. And he was like, I think that's a great idea. 
So, yeah, he was totally on board with it. Anthony, you sweet peach. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That <laughs> no, because like, like. I, I could see it going either way with Turner. Like Turner yeah. would be like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I, and I was kind of nervous. He would be like, why? Like, what's the point? You know, like, what's the point? Um, but he was, yeah, super supportive about naming it. Um, can I ask, like, I've never really asked a mom how they're like, how does a husband deal with miscarriage and like, how does he like, was he able to like express his feelings? Cause I mean, like, yeah, so there, it's just gotta be a different place for a man to be in. Yes. And I think we often forget about the man too, you know, cause they, they've lost something too. Um, and this was actually, this was actually really hard for Anthony and I, because Obviously, he was super excited when he found out I was pregnant. When I miscarried, he was sad and disappointed, but he wasn't grieving like I was. And for me, that was really hard because I was like, you should be grieving like I'm grieving. You know, like I feel really isolated and alone. I feel like I'm doing this on my own. And I really struggled with that. And I was mad at him for a while because of how he was responding to it. And then I was reading a book and it was like, you need to give grace to your spouse because their experience is going to be different from yours. And however they choose to grieve, that's how they, they grieve. And you need to allow them grace. And that really helped me because like I said, I was just really angry at him that he wasn't grieving, but his experience was different from mine. I'm sure if I would have been farther along, it would have been even harder for him. Um, but, you know, he doesn't, the baby's not inside him. He he didn't experience what I did. And, I mean, he's definitely sad and disappointed, but it wasn't the same experience for him as it was for me. Sure, sure. Yeah. And I know, you know, I've read other stories, and I know for some men it's really hard on them. Um, it's a loss for them. And I also know that Anthony felt like he needed to be the strong one. Because, you know, we do have Jack um, and he knew that he needed to be there for me. So. Well, I think your advice um, is really helpful to someone out there because I'll bet you, even if you experienced this loss 10 years ago and you're listening to this, there's probably just a lot of, um, well, it was only a couple of days. Well, it was only and oh, good thing it didn't happen later. Like. Like there's a lot of disclaimers and a lot of, you know, maybe reasons that women have told themselves over the years about why their grief doesn't matter. Yes, yes. I had to retrain my way of thinking too, because when I miscarried, I was four weeks um, and there was a point where I felt guilty for grieving because I was four weeks. And I read this thing that was like, No, you were not only four weeks. You were already four weeks. And that's really where I've retrained my thinking. It's like, no, like I was already a month pregnant. You know, I wasn't just four weeks pregnant. And it's really helped me um, appreciate this pregnancy too, because it's like, wow, I am 16 weeks. Like that is great, you know? And every day it's just great that I'm further along. But yeah, I mean... I did struggle with that because I did feel guilty that I was like 
so upset about this and I was only four weeks. So I will never use that word anymore. You do have those thoughts though, because I felt guilty that I was grieving so much when I was only four weeks. I felt guilty that I was grieving when there's other women that are struggling just to have one baby. You know, I felt bad about that, but your grief matters. You have a reason to grieve, you know? Uh, Yes, I already had a child, but I lost one still, you know? And yeah, so definitely you, you have every reason to feel the way you do. Yeah. Replacing only with already. Yeah. And yeah, I just, I just think you're giving a lot of women permission to feel however the hell way they want to feel. I didn't tell a lot of people about my miscarriage because I didn't want to hear certain comments, but you know, there are the comments you get from people. Well, you were only four weeks. You're still young. At least you have a kid, you know, um, or I hate this one. Um, you know, it was just God's plan. There's a reason for everything. And it's like, I am a firm believer that everything happens for a reason, but there's no reason for this. My baby just died. I, it didn't die because I need to learn some lesson or some greater purpose is going to happen, you know? And those are things that like nobody wants to hear when they experience a loss, no matter if it's a baby or not, or if it's an adult, like you don't want to hear that when you've lost someone. So, and I had a lot of people say to me that did know, well, I don't know what to say. And the truth is, I really don't need you to say anything necessarily because there's nothing that you could say that would make me feel better. It's more just validating how I feel and just listening and being there. That's that's really the best thing that you can do um, for someone who's experienced a loss. I feel like when I was going through postpartum with Everett, it helped if people would just say like, I see you. I yeah. hear what you're saying. You know yeah. what I mean? Cause like, I didn't, I don't know what I wanted to hear. I didn't know right. what I wanted to like, yeah. I don't necessarily need you to have a magic answer, but I think especially when you just like share a story and like share an experience, all you want is like that someone read it and someone like stopped for a moment and thought, I hear what she's saying. Yes. And for me, um, and everyone's experience is different, but for me to say nothing at all was the worst thing that you could do. There were a couple people that I had to tell them that I lost the baby. And of course, you know, they said, I'm sorry, but that was it. They never brought it up to me again. They never asked how I was doing. And I know that they probably felt uncomfortable, but like that was the worst thing you could do was just not acknowledge it, that it happened, ask me how I was doing. Yeah. That was the worst thing you could do is just not say anything at all. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, everyone's just so well-meaning, you know, because yeah, actually yeah. they've like really thought about you a lot, you know, yeah. they've thought like, what do I do? What do I say? You know, like they've yeah. actually put a lot of thought into it, but yes. oh, it's so hard. It is. It is super hard. If I had a friend that you know, had a miscarriage and I had not been through one, I wouldn't know what to say either. Like that's, that's okay not to know what to say. It's just, I think the best thing you can do is just check in on them. And like you said, acknowledge their feelings um, and ask if there's anything you can do, you know, or how can you help? I think that's just the best thing you can do. 
So it sounds like you um, sought out a lot of like books and reading. Uh, Were there groups that you started attending or like other resources that you found along the way? Yeah. So um, one of my friends found this like great nonprofit organization in Virginia. It's called Through the Heart. And this is like their whole mission is to provide support and resources to those who've experienced loss. And so they sent me a free comfort kit. And um, if you go to their website, there's like a ton of resources available. They have a um, Facebook group, which I joined. And um, that's been really helpful. There is a Quad City group that's just for women who've experienced loss. And I'm in that one, too. So, yeah, those those two, I would say, have been like the biggest help. But, yeah, you're just kind of you just got to kind of figure it out on your own because nothing is provided to you. Um, So I just like Googled stuff and that's how I found stuff. How did coping with your loss then lead into trying again? Was there a lot of fear there? You have to wait four weeks before you can start trying again. So then you have a four week appointment, which is like the worst thing on earth. Um, Because I'm like sitting here in this lobby, there's pregnant women coming out left and right. Um, And then you go into this appointment and they check to make sure like your uterus is where it's supposed to be. And it's like, no, I don't want it to be where it's supposed to be. You know, this was, I was supposed to be coming to you for a prenatal appointment. And now we're, you know, just making sure that my body's back to where it is. And For me, I wanted to start right away. I didn't want to wait. Some women want to wait until like after their baby's due date. But for me, I was like, no, like, let's just keep it going. And so I was a little scared of getting pregnant, but I was just like, this is what I want. I want to give my son a sibling. I want to give my husband another child here on earth. Um, So we started on Clomid again, this time on a higher dose. And so I did have awful side effects. I don't know about you, but um, I had like um, blurry vision. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And that was like, and it just would randomly happen. I would just like see spots. I had a lot of side effects with it and it just was awful. And so I never had that. um, And I think it was probably a lot of my state of mind at the time. I was really just like not well over just like trying so hard to have a baby. Um, But I thought it just like added to like my crippling depression. Like I thought it made it worse. And, you know, maybe it wasn't even the medicine, but it was the whole like, now I'm doing this. And if this doesn't work, then what, you know, it just like yes. fed into yeah. just like a very poor state of mind at the time. And so I quit taking it because I was like, this isn't helping me feel better. This yeah. did not help me feel better. So yeah. anyway, that was my major side effect, which they said was one, right. like when you kind of maybe put the pieces together, who knows? Yeah. And so, um, at my, four po- four week post appointment, she told me she was like women who miscarry have a really high chance of getting pregnant right away. So I was like hopeful, like I'll get pregnant right away. First month went by, wasn't second month went by, wasn't third month. So after you take um, Clomid, they check like your progesterone levels just to like see where it's at, make sure the medicine's doing what it's supposed to do. And it was really, really high, like high 
like when I was pregnant with Kennedy. So I thought this is it like three months in again, like I'm pregnant and I was not pregnant. And at that moment, I just kind of had lost all hope. And I was just like, maybe this isn't, maybe I'm not meant to have another one. Then my doctor retired out of nowhere. Oh, (laughs) yeah. I got a letter in the mail and she retired uh, due to health issues. So I'm like, great. Now I have to find another doctor and I have to like catch her up on everything. And now we have Mm -hmm. to start a new plan. And I was just like really down. I was just like, and just stressed out and like over the trying. I got into another doctor right away and she's been great. And she was like, obviously Clomid's not working. Like you've just taken it for three months. Let's move on. Like, let's try something new, which was a relief. Um, so I ended up taking letrozole, which is like Clomid, um, but not as many side effects. I didn't have any with it. And it's actually supposedly better for women who have PCOS. I don't know why, but so I started taking letrozole and it just month after month, negative test. Um, and it was just, yeah, it was just really, I mean, you know, it's frustrating. Like you're putting in all this hard work. And just, it's, nothing's happening. Um, I mean, I was doing everything. I had completely changed my lifestyle to make sure that I was doing everything I could to get pregnant. So then I was coming up on a year and my doctor was like, all right, I'll give you two more months. I will raise your dose of letrozole, but if you're not pregnant, there's nothing I can do for you. Like, you're going to have to go see a fertility specialist. Okay. Um. So it was like all right, you know, so I was kind of preparing myself for like, well, I'm going to have to see this fertility specialist. I don't know how soon I'm going to be able to get in, like how much longer is this process going to take, you know? So I started the higher dose of letrozole and got pregnant. And Uh, that is where you are today. Yeah. That's where I am today. Yeah. So (sighs) it's, it's, it's just crazy. Yeah. I didn't think I was pregnant. I had actually started my next month of letrozole. And um, I was like, well, I should take a pregnancy test just to make sure before I keep taking this letrozole. And I took it and it said positive. Holy smokes. Yeah. So you weren't even like really like putting any hopes on that test. Just no. like, all right, let's just no. cross this box. Yeah. I was like, let's just make sure that it's negative so I can keep going with this letrozole. So yeah. Oh my gosh. So, um, people who are regular listeners of this podcast have heard Brittany on the podcast earlier this year, Jason was on as well. And, um, so I just wonder if like having a friend like Brittany really helped you in this process. So Brittany went through IVF and it did two, like two rounds of the retrievals. And I'm going to mess up all of her words that she used. I know, I know, I know. But anyway, but like you guys were kind of going through this at the same time. And, um, were you guys like open with each other about it? Yes. And like Brittany was, has been amazing throughout this whole process. And like, you know, she could definitely understand like the struggles of like trying to get pregnant. Um, cause she went through it. And actually, so like that last month before I got pregnant, I was like, okay, tell me, like, what are some of the things you did to like help you get pregnant? Cause like, 
I want to make sure that I've tried everything before I go see this fertility specialist. And she mentioned acupuncture. She actually sent me like a list of things to eat and drink. I went and got acupuncture done for the first time. I mean, I did everything I could to make sure. And she sent me this list of things to eat, not to eat. And I did them (laughs) and I got pregnant. So there you go. Oh my gosh, Dr. Brittany. I know. (laughs) (laughs) oh that's amazing I can't remember what she said but yeah she told me like there was some really crazy stuff she was eating and she was I did not I did not drink any bone broth like she did well holy smokes Jenna twins are on the way what's your due date um so my due date is June 3rd but they don't they won't let you go full term yeah so it'll be like middle of May sometime okay okay What is, after experiencing loss, what does it mean to not just be pregnant, but be pregnant with twins? Is there any like, is there any like, I don't know, divine intervention in that for you? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, you know, for me, I wanted to have at least just one baby and I'm getting two, which is, you know, pretty amazing. And I will say that, you know, it, it has made me appreciate my son even more. It's made me appreciate this pregnancy. You know, I've, I'm trying to enjoy every minute of it because it's going to be my last pregnancy. Um, and so, you know, I just try to focus on today I'm pregnant and that's what I focus on. And I'm just thankful, you know, each day that I continue to be pregnant and yeah, and I can't, I can't wait to see them. So, and meet them. Are you going to find out the gender? No. Good for you. I know. I know. I knew you'd be happy about that. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh, that's going to be so fun. Yeah. That yeah. is going to be so, oh, it could be any combination. I know. And I'm like 99% sure they're fraternal. They're not identical. Okay. Oh, I'm just so happy for you guys. Um, I just have to say, Jenna, that like for people who don't know you, you are outgoing you are just have a huge personality. You laugh all the time. You know, you gave a bridesmaid speech over the summer at our friend's wedding that brought the freaking house down. Thank you. Um, So I just, I just really appreciate like learning more about you and seeing like a vulnerable side of you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I do not show that. I'm not open when it comes to that kind of stuff. I don't, I don't talk about my feelings. Um, That's just not me. So it is different. It is different for me to do that, but it's good. So, well, I think you really are going to help a lot of women who listen to this. I really, really do. All right, Jenna Bell, I can't wait to share the update okay. in May. <laughs> well, Jenna, I'm sending you all the vibes for a healthy pregnancy. Try to enjoy it. I know you I will. Know. Thank you. And it was good talking to you. Yeah, you too. You too. You have been listening to the WQAD Podcast Network.